Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at TheHuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back for a post-Christmas episode of the Blitzed Podcast as we enter Championship Week. Harley, did Santa bring you any positive vibes for your championship teams? Yeah, actually. I I feel like I did very well this year in terms of regular season leagues. And uh, obviously, Daily Fantasy is what we uh, invite our listeners to come listen to us for here on the Blitzed Podcast. But we do like to offer up that those tidbits each week to help our regular season uh, league players uh, succeed as well. And I, I know I feel I did pretty well this year. And and obviously, you can win some, you can lose some. But uh, uh, we talked a little bit before the show about how both of us made it to the semifinals out of 3,000 people in this year's Scott Fishbowl, which is an amazing accomplishment in and of itself. Now, it looks like both of our teams will be knocked out this week uh, on, on the second to last or the penultimate cutout uh, going down from 500 teams to 30 teams. Yeah. But again, it's when you look at something like that, again, it's, it's, it's for charity. It's for fun. It's, it's a great opportunity to get to know other analysts, fans and, uh, and, and celebrities are fans of the fantasy football world. So again, it, 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 it's Christmas time, and it's nice to have the spoils of victory from fantasy football. But there's other things to think about too. Yeah, um, I'm definitely my ride has come to an end. Um, I'm currently 105, pending the Monday night game. Normally, we record during the Monday night game today because we're both today's the, the celebrated day for Christmas. I'm off. Harley worked a little earlier today. We're able to record a little earlier, so we'll be able to sit down and actually enjoy the entire game without recording, having it on in the background. Um, but pending that, I currently sit in 105th place, about 25 points outside the cut line. The part that's tough is that it's it's kind of like the NFL, right? It's a season of attrition. Who can you know ward off the injuries to still you know move forward? And I lost Jalen Hurts for this week. My two quarterbacks combined to score 22 points. Jalen Hurts averages almost 30 a week in and of himself, and can put up 40 plus in some weeks, right? Um, mm-hmm. So that's a tough pill to swallow, but it is what it is. Like you said, it's for a great cause. Had a ton of fun. And, and to be able to say, I, I mean, I'm guessing I'll probably fall, who knows, anywhere from 20 to 75, 100 spots possibly tonight. So we're probably still going to land in the top half of the semis. So good good season overall and, and not, not hating it. And it was a fun ride. So, Yeah, and I, I really hope uh, that we can reach out to Scott next season before the uh, – or as the draft season rolls around for that, so we can get him on the show and talk a little bit about some of the potential rule changes for next season, maybe offer up some suggestions of our own. And yeah. uh, and also, again, it, it's just good to know that uh, uh, there's a gentleman such as him out there doing what he does for the uh, for the world, not just for the fantasy community, but for the entire world by helping get toys for needy children across the country. Yes, absolutely. Um, that is... It. You summed it up well. I don't need to say anything else. So the other league that, I, that I'm in, um, it, that I'm in a semi in, is the Huddle Expert IDP League, where I was the high point leader for the season. Um, 
through week 13, I think. Let's see. Let's just take a look here. 13 was the end of the regular season, I believe. 14 was playoffs. Anyway, my overall all-play record was 108 and 35. 755 winning percentage. Had a bye last week. This week, I'm in a fight with um, Corey from the huddle. Um, He's representing USA Today. And this is something we probably should have an episode on next year. Managing multiple teams. Because I forgot that I had Chris Olave in one of my lineups. and, And I missed it. I missed it. Okay? Completely missed that I had him in my lineup. And going into tonight... I'm ahead 241.58 to 21606. I'm done. He has two players left, Zaire Franklin and Derwin James. If they hit their CVs and averages, I'm going to lose by 10 points, 10 and change. The player that was on my bench and only had, I had three wide receivers on my bench, but there is truly only one that I would have started. Nelson Aguilar, Paris Campbell, or Jacoby Myers. Myers was healthy. I would have started him. Well, he scored 20.3 points. It's going to be a really hard pill to swallow if I go out in the semis because I left Chris Olave in my lineup. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where it's really important. And I know that uh, from a daily fantasy standpoint, obviously, I keep a spreadsheet track of what my lineups are on each site going into the weekend. So if I do see a player, I can highlight it in all those uh, individual lineups and then know immediately what sites to go to and what players to move and take out. But when you're doing it through redraft, I mean, uh, if I'm like, if you're like anyone else and, and myself too, uh, Sunday morning is usually so tied up with yep. uh, doing our own daily stuff, but also helping people with questions and answers online. And it's very easy to forget to look at one of your lineups, particularly if you've got many lineups going. And obviously, uh, not all formats we play in our best ball formats where we actually have to do set a lineup every single week. So, yeah. I guess as we get closer and closer to the playoffs, I probably spend more time looking at my own lineups, uh, doing a little uh, Sunday morning tinkering, making sure that everything's set. But uh, it's still easy to miss someone. Well, and then you add in the week of Christmas, and that didn't help. Um, The other part that's really hard to swallow is I update all of my IDP projections on Friday nights to, to allow for out players, right? Because I know Mm -hmm. that some leagues have specific things where they have to see that a player is out. So I make sure that I show them as out with a five for zero points. Um, And I go through every team's injury report to do that. Yet I missed it, right? I just completely – I don't know if I spaced off and remembered I thinking I had London on the team versus Olave because I own London on a couple teams and I own Olave on a couple teams and just didn't – I just – oh, well, it is what it is, right? Yeah, and I, again, you're looking at a situation, too, there in New Orleans where uh, it, it's not an offense that you are probably overly concerned with getting a lot of points from on a weekly basis. Obviously, Alave is one of the few exceptions to that rule on that team this year. But, I mean, teams that have Elvin Kamara on their roster were playing him most weeks, but not getting a great lot of production out of him. Obviously, uh, the rest of the receiving core there is very, very thin. And, I mean, you look, look at a guy like maybe Taysom Hill or a different tight end like Juwan Johnson, who's been hot of late. Uh, if you did manage to get Johnson into your lineup this week, you probably got knocked out because you didn't do jack squat. Yeah. <laughs> the, other, the other thing, and then I'll move on. The other thing that makes this a tough pill to swallow, being a team that's done so well during a regular season, right? And the amount of points I've scored would beat the other two teams that are in the other playoff game. 
They each have, yes. I think, one player left. They, there's no way that they're going to score enough points to catch what I have at 241 where I'm done. But season for the season, I, I had four number one rated, not rated, rated players, four players that finished number one at their position scoring-wise, fantasy-wise. Justin Jefferson, Travis Kelsey, Quinnen Williams, and then Legereus Sneed. And I had one that finished number two in Nick Bosa. Man, it's going to be tough to get ousted knowing that that's the team that I that pretty much the only person I didn't draft there was Quinton Williams that I picked him up, I think, prior to week one. Well, I, I can feel the pain of getting knocked out with a, a tremendous lineup. Uh, although uh, I, I, I can also say that for every time that happens, you also get lucky sometimes. And, yep. and make your fantasy championship despite leaving Cam Akers and his three touchdowns on your bench. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> with that, with that, I think that we probably should kill this, the rest of this um, talk right now. And I'll just throw it over to Harley for this week's Blitz Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. Something called Shane Zilstra scored three touchdowns for Detroit this past weekend. My first thought was, Zilstra? Isn't that like an impotency drug? I, I wonder if he would have gotten had to go to the emergency room if he had scored a fourth time. Or imagine what would have happened if the game would have lasted longer than four quarters. <laughs> Alex Singleton recorded more than 20 total tackles for the second time this season. Apparently, the rest of the Denver defense forgot to tell him that they had all decided to quit on their team prior to the game. <laughs> Forced into starting duties due to injuries, Tutu Atwell did not fare very well this past weekend. He was only targeted twice by Baker Mayfield, although he did catch both of those targets. When asked about Tutu's so-so play-play, Coach Sean McVay said Tutu did-did, not-not, do-do, enough-enough. I think I have the solution. Perhaps Tutu should change his name to 6-6 or 10-10 instead. <laughs> the Jets received positive news today that Mike White has been finally cleared by doctors and he will be able to start this coming week. So, for... Fantasy fans and the Twitter world, next week we get both Gardner Minshew and Mike White starting. You know, somebody better call the Ghostbusters because the gatekeeper and the keymaster are both here. <laughs> and finally, the Denver Broncos finally pulled the much overdue trigger and fired their first year head coach today. No one should be shocked by this move as Nathaniel had clearly proven that he could not hack it. This has been your BPN News Update. Ouch. Burn. Um, wow. Wow, 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 wow. How did it, last? How did it take this long? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a shame. Ride. Let's ride. Right. Now, what, what's Russ saying? And, and how did Singleton manage that many tackles when no one else was tackling on that team? That's why. <laughs> um, where, where was he ranked in your IDP numbers going into this week? I'd like to know that. Oh, God, I don't know. I'd have to check, actually, because um, I do projections. I don't rank them. I, I'd put my okay. projections in. I think I had him ranked pretty high from a just productivity standpoint. You're going to make me look it up now, aren't you? No, I, I'm, I'm just interested if you, if you had him like high or not because, I, again, I, I, no, I, I think you, you're, you're probably ranking those Denver defensive players for this giving week facing a Rams team that was, I mean, not great, figuring they'd probably get some sort of a pass rush. And what's amazing about that game was 
you could tell that they didn't care because Baker Mayfield playing behind a multi-absentee offensive line had a pocket that was lasting forever. So here's the problem. I'm not going to give away the secrets of my algorithm or anything like that, (laughs) but there is a human element to it where I can go in and I tweak things and, and game flow and all that matters to me. Right? So how many, how many points did you realistically think was going to be scored by the Rams in this game? Well, I, I thought the combined total between the two teams would be about 34. Right. Low scoring, not a lot of plays. I didn't think there'd be a lot of plays. I didn't think that there'd be a lot of rushing attempts by the Rams, honestly. Um, I figured our biggest scorers in this game would probably be the punters. Yeah, exactly. I, I, thought, I thought it was a punt game also for what it's worth. Um, yeah, I didn't have him. He probably had as many tackles as I had him projected for in one quarter, if I had to be honest with you. I had him for four solos and five, five assists. That's pretty bad. Yeah. So, and instead he had, let's see, what did he have specifically? His true stat line was 13, 13 and seven. seven. So in theory, my assist number was pretty close. Yeah. Now the, not the 13, not so much. Um, and here's the problem too. Like, okay, look at Josie Joel. Um, he was five and my eyes are giving me. I think here. he ended up five with eleven five. or ten this week. It's either five and five, five solo, five assist, or five solo, six assist. I really honestly yeah. can't see that number. It's so small. So let's see what I had him projected for. I had him for three and three. So, you know, it is what it is. I missed. Um, hopefully my four and five made you say, okay, that's still almost 15 points. I'm going to start him, right? Um, and that's what people take from it. But, you know, the scores for home games and, and stadiums, impact a lot of what I you know how the projections go and some of them you look at it and you go they're going to get more assists than than actual solos and that was what I saw in modeling that game and of course he went up having almost two to one solos to assist which doesn't fit some past games that have been done and scored in that game in that stadium but is my take correct in that uh this was more a situation where the Denver defense has had basically given up on Hackett in the offense or yeah. Are there actual weaknesses in the city? <laughs> That's okay. You don't want to don't don't choke over the Denver offense or defense. It's not worth it. Um, nah, it's hard. I mean, you would you would think they're pros and they shouldn't quit, but I sometimes it's just hard to get motivated for certain guys, especially when you know that that money's showing up in your paycheck no matter what. So I don't know. Um, Singleton's been somebody that, that knows how to get to the ball. He had productive, you know, stints, you know, games, etc. In Philly, um, and he was somebody that I thought. If the offense in Denver wasn't able to stay on the field, he'd have a shot at quite a bit of um, you know production in Denver, and he has. So he's he's been a solid you know IDP play. It's interesting to look at guys like that though, and, and see because I mean, I, I I always saw him as more of a journeyman. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. So I'm a very much a situation over talent type guy, um, especially on the IDP side. Um, you plug somebody in the middle linebacker spot and they're on the field for 80 plus percent of the, of the tackles and your de- your offense stinks. Your, your defense is going to see a lot of plays, right? I want to say, I think he's got like a 26% tackle share or something like that overall, which is insane. Um, what we need to do is we have to come up with a daily fantasy service, which includes IDP. You preach it to the choir. There was one. I think it went out of business. Um, it's just, it's a hard sell to people for some reason. I don't know. Um, I find it enjoyable. Others don't. Um, so, hey, let's do this. Let's talk about what we're going to do this week because we didn't tell anybody yet. Um, didn't tease it earlier. We are going to go over what we'll call some 
championship landmines to avoid. How's that? I, I, I always prefer the term pitfall because that was one of my favorite games that I got at pitfall. Christmas back when I was like eight years old. I remember pitfall and dig dug. Um, so yeah. Let's, oh, dig dug was great, particularly in the arcade. Yes, absolutely. So we're, we'll go over a few of the players for each position, a couple players for each position that will hopefully help you figure out how and what you should do going into your finals. And then, of course, we'll have our DFS pay-ups and play, stayaways and value plays. God, it's such a tongue twister for me sometimes. Um, anyway, want to get right at it? Let's get to the championship sit stuff? Yes. Okay. I shipped my pants. No, I'm kidding. Uh, that's what I said, <laughs> sit stuff, made me think of that commercial. You remember that? Yes. The target. Okay. Well, you're from that area too, right? Aren't you from up from where Target is? Uh, Target is headquartered here, or at least it used to be headquartered here in Minnesota. It's, it was part of the Dayton Hudson Department Store Corporation for the longest time. And it was actually my first ever employer. There you go. Nice. Well, my first ever employer outside of uh, the Minneapolis Star Tribune when I was a paper boy. Paper boy. There you go. Yeah, that, that, that doesn't get enough love as being a first job. It's a job, man. It's work. Mm-hmm. Throwing those papers gets the arm ready for later in life, I guess, for different things. Well, I was going to say, I'd like to think it helped me with my pitching skills. There you go. All right, let's start it with my favorite position, quarterbacks. So I looked at the top 12 quarterbacks, and for the most part, if you have a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen, unless you know they're sitting a half, you're not going to think about benching them, right? And we're not going to really see that, the sitting of players probably this week. We'll see more of that next week. Correct. And that's why a lot of redraft leagues in particular – are holding their championships this week, much like in the past they'd hold their championships in week 16 so that there wouldn't be yep. uh, the benchings of players in week 17. Just because they've added an additional game to the schedule doesn't mean that that strategy is off the board for teams. Exactly. So one of the guys that, that jumped out at me, though, I don't think Patrick Mahomes has a great matchup. If they, But if they were to, for some reason, get out to a big lead at halftime, could he possibly not play the whole game? I guess so. But if that happens, then he's already put up good points for you. So I didn't write him down, but I got two names I'm going to give you, and, and let, let's see what you think if you own these guys, if you'd be starting them or looking to stream somebody else. Um, the first one you most likely drafted as a starter. The second one you probably drafted as a backup or picked up off the waiver wire, so I think people will find it easier to sit him. But it's Joe Burrow and Geno Smith. Uh, I don't love the Joe Burrow matchup. I don't either. <laughs> I don't either. Uh, but at the same time, I don't love the Geno Smith matchup either. And Geno's been trending in the wrong way yep. ever since Tyler Lockett got hurt. And now this this isn't an if and an, an either or. I don't like yeah. either of these guys. Well, I'm, that's kind of getting into that is that uh, I, I feel much safer about starting Burrow. Uh, than I do Geno Smith uh, because of the fact that Burrow still has two elite-level weapons to throw to, whereas Geno Smith is he's now without Tyler Lockett. He's possibly going to be without Marquise Goodwin this coming week, which means that his number two wide receiver will be Vikings cast-off Laquan Treadwell, who I think in the history of times playing in Minnesota never had more than three catches in a game. Right. So... At that point, you start looking at what is the elements around that player, particularly in the in the stake of a quarterback. I mean, a quarterback can beat the weather. A quarterback can beat a good defense if they're a good quarterback. But a quarterback can only do so much if the talent he's throwing to 
and the people blocking for him, case in point, Tom Brady, aren't there to help him. Right. Okay. So you'd be looking to plug somebody else in place of those, but if you had to live with Burrow, you would. I would live with Burrow. Uh, I mean, maybe uh, I, I've actually have this. I have this exact decision in one league. I can play Burrow, or I can start Jared Goff at home, protected from the elements against Chicago. You could also possibly pick up Gardner Minshew because he's probably available on almost everybody's waiver wires too. Oh come on! Everyone got Minshew two weeks ago now, so he's okay. not going to be available. Okay. okay. So, and, and he's facing New Orleans, which isn't exactly a, a blow up spot either. I mean, Correct. it is Minshew, so Correct. I mean, you got to love that he's going to go off. But yeah, no, I I think that you can probably still roll with Burrow, but if you've got Geno Smith, I, I would definitely be scouring the waiver wire. Looking for a better option. It's it just it's not a it's not a spot where I feel comfortable for him to throw more than one touchdown, and I don't think he's going to surpass 250 passing yards. So yeah, th- those are those are floor numbers based on his season numbers, and that's not going to win you a championship. Speaking of Gina, real quick, back to Scott Fishbowl. I know I'm going to be out of the finals. I'm going to do it to myself. I'm going to submit my lineup just to see what would have happened. Um, that's probably just something that you shouldn't do, though, quite honestly, because if it's good, you're going to really kick yourself. Anyway, okay, so that's that. Let's run on over to running back. Um, I found one name very easy to write down, and then I found two others that I think warrant consideration for sitting, and then I found two others – that are in a timeshare that I think warrant consideration no matter which one you have. The first one is Josh Jacobs, who I think probably carried quite a few people to their playoffs with his play leading up to that, you know, the end of the season. Well, it, it's been shown even as the season's progressed that Las Vegas doesn't care that they're running Josh Jacobs into the ground. And, so again, with Jacobs, you're you're looking at a guy who is going to get you 100 total yards. But whereas last year he uh, last year earlier this year he might have had that 100 yards by like the early third quarter, he's fighting to have that 100 total yards now uh, by the end of the game on like 35 carries. So we're getting down to that territory where he's averaging right around three yards a carry. And going up against the defense like San Francisco, even yeah. at home. Yes. Uh, and, and San Francisco's got a lot to play for here. They're still uh, fighting for a chance at the number two seed. So they're not going to be resting any of their defensive players, even a game that they should win pretty handily. They, ha- they have an outside chance at the one seed, honestly, if Philly were to falter over the next the next two weeks. Um, well, they, they would need help. They'd need Philly yeah. and Dallas and Minnesota to all lose a couple games. So. Yeah. So, but it's there. I mean, if there's, they yeah. have every reason to play. I don't know that we see him get to more than seventy-five yards this weekend. Uh, total, uh, that's certainly a possibility. Again, with him, it's all about volume. Yep. Uh, because uh, because he's going to get the volume regardless of how successful he is. I like Jacobs to approach a hundred yards. I like him to score a touchdown this week, which is really a what I'd consider to be a remarkable performance going up against San Francisco. Okay. But 
it, it, it's kind of it's kind of a tricky time bomb there to, to, to go with because uh, that's why I call them San Francisco has been very very good against the run. I mean, again, you're you're, you're kind of begging. You're kind of begging if you've got Jacobs in your lineup this week. Okay, so minimally, if you're going to start him, if you feel like you have to start him, right? You definitely yeah. I mean, have to you would have to have a really good like third alternate running back to to bench Josh Jacobs again. I, the other thing, too, when you're looking at that matchup is that you can throw the ball to your backs against San Francisco a little bit more effectively than you can run against them. And they're not afraid to dump the ball off to Jacobs. So there's that element to it. Samir White's been hurt the last couple of weeks, so he's not been a factor. It's, it's basically it's just Jacobs and Brandon Bolden in that backfield. Uh, I don't see Bolden getting enough touches to really do anything in this defense against this defense. So, yeah, no, I'm. I'm starting Jacobs. I'm not particularly liking it. But, yeah, I, I just don't see anyone with enough ups. I mean, if you're lucky enough to have, like, maybe a, a Deonta Foreman or someone like that, that you know, he's got a tough matchup too. But uh, there's not enough good matchups among the res- like the reserve level or running back three level players this week that you're benching Jacobs. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, what about Tony Pollard facing Tennessee? Uh, another rough matchup there, but uh, again, you're you're playing the action of the fact that Pollard will still touch the ball enough times. Dallas again playing for a chance at potentially catching Philly for that top spot uh, in in the in the conference as well as in the division. But uh, Pollard also very active in the passing game. <coughs> yeah. So. Uh, just man, for me, I mean, there's only five teams I think that have given up fewer points to the running back spot than the Titans have over the last four weeks of the, of the season, not excluding Week 16, since we don't have a complete weekend yet. Um, but the the ones that have gotten success against them again have been with the passing game. Okay, um, here's one for you, and here's the other thing with Pollard. He's on the road. That's something I definitely don't like. Right? I I get Jacobs being at home. I think that's a plus. I always think that being at home is a plus for a guy. Right? Um, what about KW three? One last point there on Pollard, sorry, too. Sure. Is that uh, Tennessee right now, as good as their defense has been against the run, that is another team that has a little bit of quit in them right now. We've seen it the last couple of weeks on the field. And obviously now with uh, Malik Willis starting for them, he doesn't provide the upside or the potential upside that Ryan Tannehill does. They don't have a lot of weapons in their passing game, so they're going to have a lot of three and outs on the Tennessee side of the ball, which just means more time of possession potentially for for the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. What about KW3? He's facing a team that is right down there with the Titans as far as matchups go. Well, obviously it's it's much easier to run against the Jets than it is to throw against the Jets, but uh, obviously a lot of it comes down to the the health of uh, their interior defensive linemen there. Yeah. Um, he's somebody I'm looking at. You know what? He, he was injured earlier, so you probably have an injury replacement that you may have already have on your, your roster for that. Uh, mm-hmm. I honestly think that you might want to look at pivoting instead of plugging him in and hoping for the best. Um, I will say this. I mean, as much as he has started to hit a little bit of a rookie wall, even though, I mean, <laughs> technically not, but when, when, you, when you look at it, uh, his, his numbers aren't as elite as they were prior to the injury. He's still doing enough, again, including through the passing game, to be effective. He, he was actually fairly effective against San Francisco a couple of weeks ago. Gotcha. Okay. 
Here's the last. Uh, I, I like Kath Walker. The nice thing about him in this spot He's is hard. that unlike Josh Jacobs, unlike Tony Pollard, Walker was probably not drafted to be your running back one or running back two. Right. So unless you've had a multitude of injuries at the position, you may have options. You probably have options that you would have normally been starting regularly above him anyways, that maybe he kind of like was, was bobbing at the position with like, no, maybe you had a guy like Miles Sanders or a guy like Antonio Gibson as your running back too. So Kenneth Walker may have been like popping his head up above him a little bit over and over again here. And now it's like, well, you got two players that are kind of in that same running back two, running back three tier. Then you can make that swap out. You can, you can go with a guy like Gibson who has a much better matchup this week. Right. Last duo. And it's, um, Leonard Fournette and Rashad White. Uh, talk about a roll of the dice there. Yeah, uh, it, it, we we watched the game last night. You can you see it's it's in action what they're doing. Uh, they bring in Leonard Fournette and he leads the team down the field for a, a twenty play drive, and then he either does or doesn't get into the end zone. And then the very next drive, they hand the ball off to Rashad White for five plays and pass it to him once, and he gets into the end zone for a touchdown. It, it literally is back and forth and back and forth. Fortunately, they're both putting up effective numbers. Uh, so but, you're, but this oh, week, but this week they face a Carolina Panther team that has given up the third fewest points to the running back position, and you're dealing with that headache. <laughs> I, you're not benching those two guys right now. There's a chance that Carolina could potentially catch Tampa Bay for the division, and that's kind of crazy to think about. With we're looking at Sam Darnold versus Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Wait a minute. There can't look. I get the Sam Darnold slander, but Trace McSorley gave Tom Brady everything that he could freaking handle last and night. And so did Brock Purdy the week. And before. Brock Purdy, right? <laughs> I mean, I guess you could say the shine's got to wear off at some point, right? But I yeah, mean, no, it's Tom Brady. It's the playoffs. <laughs> in a sense, they are in an extended playoffs right now. In a sense, you're right. I give you that. But go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, I. You're not benching either of those two guys right now. They, they're both on the field and producing at a solid level. Uh, I don't. I mean, yes, Carolina's got a decent rank for their defense, but I feel their defense is more rank than their rank suggests. <laughs> well, again, I'm looking at the last four weeks, their performance against the position, and like I said, they were, there's only, I think, the Denver Broncos and 49ers have given up fewer points to the running back position. Here's my take on it. Lenny, who got hurt partway through the season and then started seeding carries to Rashad, right? So you yes. probably already had to find a replacement for him at some point because it didn't look like he was getting his job back in when he came back healthy, right? It looked like White was White's job to run away with and lose, and he didn't. He didn't. He didn't solidify it. So then they come back and Lenny starts building up his value again. Also, if you have Rashad White, you either pick them up off of waivers or you draft them very late. So I think you have to have the options to replace either one of them if they're in your lineup. And I could see where it might be harder to do that with Lenny than it would be with White. I don't think I'm starting either one of those guys if I have if I have anybody that has a better heartbeat, honestly. What type of what type of matchup would you see that you would rather play than one of those two guys this week? Uh, I just would rather like. Um, who, who might you have over? I mean, Leonard Fournette was drafted as 
no worse than the running back two for a team. You're correct. But again, because I think you lost him to injury, I believe that you would have already made those moves to where you weren't relying on him as a running back two at this point. Um, I mean, let, let's look at some of the guys that might be available in that sure. range here. Uh, <clears throat> and I mean, maybe you picked up an Isaiah Pacheco. Well, they're facing Denver, and obviously Denver got run through and gouged last week, but are they really that bad, or is that just the team had given up on Hackett? But do you also know, do you, do you know, or do you feel better about knowing what Pacheco's role is versus what Jarek McKinnon's going to siphon from it versus what you do with Lenny and, and Rashad? That seems, that's, on top of it being a bad spot, right? Yeah. I also see that, and, and it's like we just don't know which one, which way it's going to go. It could fall the other one way or the other easily, and then add in that it's a bad spot. And to me, it's just it's one of those landmines where you don't want to wind up with a three- or four-point game or worse during your finals. Well, and that's kind of what I was hinting at there, is that running back, at least, uh, among the positions we're talking about tonight, the that second tier, that third tier it's a lot of garbage this week. There's, there's a lot of yeah, like shoddy, shoddy plays. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more when we get into the DFS segment that, uh, I mean, there's a reason why I'm still starting Fournette and white over the other guys that might be available in that range is because the other guys that are available in that range or who you may have had on your roster as a backup or an injury replacement, their matchups aren't that much better. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair enough. That I see what you're saying. So in a sense, it's contextualized a little bit, right? It, yes. It's, it's not just, oh, he's got a bad matchup. Everybody's got a bad matchup. So if everybody's got a bad matchup, is it better you than, go with than the, better the worst? Player. Right, exactly. <laughs> okay, I got you. But you feel comfortable moving over to wide receiver? I do. All right. Don't, don't cut me off here. You ready? Yeah. Justin Jefferson has an absolutely horrible matchup this week. Justin Jefferson, if he had the most horrible matchup of the past decade, you do not bench. End of story. There are certain players you're going to go to war with, and if you lose, you lose. Justin Jefferson is one of those. He didn't make the cut for this this segment. I just wanted to get throw that out there, okay? Um, okay. But Garrett Wilson, people hoping Mike White's going to be the savior coming back. It's not a good matchup. I think that's a landmine waiting to happen. So Seattle is a team that you kind of look at and you think to yourself, Oh, their pass defense isn't that great. I think that their pass defense on paper, their rank on paper, is better than they actually are. Now, I, I take that with a little grain of salt. You're still talking about the game being in Seattle. You got East Coast team traveling west, which is never a, a big edge for the East Coast team. You've got a quarterback playing with basically a partially recovered broken pair of ribs. Uh, so you've got to wonder how much depth he's going to be able to get behind his passes. And let's say that he gets knocked out of the game. What does that leave you with? Joe Flacco, Chris Strebler, or the uh, the remains of Zach Wilson? None of those is a particularly good thing to, to look at. So uh, I, I'd hate to have Garrett Wilson be relying on him this week. Right. He's the type of guy that when we get to the DFS segment, I'd be like, yeah, I'll throw a lineup or two out there with him because it is Mike White back under center. And obviously they had a, a simpatico-like relationship out on the field. But, oh boy. And again, when you look at the wide receiver position, unlike the running back position, which I, we, I went on ad infinitum about how bad the second tier is, 
there are so many potential replacements that are going to produce on par with Wilson's numbers this week. Uh, that it's going to be fairly, it's going to be fairly easier to pick up someone, and, and heck, you can even look in that very same game and pick up a guy like Elijah Moore, who if uh, if White is affected by the ribs, he's probably going to be throwing shorter depth of passes, which mean more use for the slot receivers. Uh, you can look at a guy like a uh, Jacoby Myers, who you brought up, facing a Miami defense that's near the bottom uh, against receivers, and particularly bad against guys who operate out of the slot. You get guys like uh, oh, George Pickens. Baltimore's defense has been better the second half of the season, but it's clear that Pickens and Pickett are together and get in a simpatico relationship as rookies. There's guys out there that are in that same range that you can play this week and, and feel confident about. And, and not to take anything away from Garrett Wilson's potential, but I just I don't want that risk. Right. And I'd, I'd prefer not to have that risk at my wide receiver three. Exactly. Okay. Um, I told you, if you own Patrick Mahomes, you're not going to bench him, right? But that doesn't mean you can't bench Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... I, I, have no, I have no problem with that because... Uh, here's the thing. Juju Smith-Schuster is going to see a lot of Patrick Sertain Jr. this week. Yep. Uh, mainly because Patrick Sertain Jr. isn't physically capable of covering Travis Kelsey. Otherwise, he'd be on Kelsey this week. <laughs> so that means that Juju is going to be the one that gets shadowed by him, and uh, that's just a recipe for disaster unless, uh, again, unless Sertain and that defense continues to refuse to play for the, uh, for the team. But here's the thing. It's not going to be Nathaniel Hackett coaching the team. It's going to be a different coach this week. And oftentimes what we find is that when a team has given up on their coach, and the coach is fired, the team will often play stronger for whoever happens to be the fill-in coach or the interim coach the next week. You know who that is? So I'm kind of – who is it? I, I don't know if they have they announced it yet. Yes. It's the guy that Hackett brought in this season, and I apologize for calling him the guy, to mainly assist with game clock management. <laughs> Something that's been a strength for them this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, that's who that's who the interim head coach is. Uh, okay, maybe maybe we won't have to worry about them playing strong for this guy then. Yeah, we know. saw like when uh, when Steve Wilkes came in for Carolina. <laughs> yeah. Players will oftentimes play out of their shoes for the interim coach. And that, on top of the fact that it's just not a good matchup. Again, if you're going to attack Denver this week, if I'm KC, I'm going to attack them with Kelsey. I'm going to attack them with McKinnon. I'm going to attack them with Pacheco. I, I'm definitely not going to try to get them with Smith-Schuster. I mean, I'd, I'd rather throw the ball to uh, MVS five times deep and hope that one of those times he burns whoever their second or third cornerback is. So I'm trying to find the name of the guy, quite honestly. Um, Jerry Rosenberg. Jerry Rosberg, Rosberg, um, he was hired during the season to aid him in clock management strategy. He is now taking over as the Broncos' interim head coach, effective immediately, and that is in an Adam Schefter tweet, if anybody wants to go find it. 
Hey, real quick. This, 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 this isn't going to be pretty. No. I'm going to rewind real quick to when we were talking about um, Garrett Wilson. The last four games, these are the wide receiver totals that Seattle has allowed. And I'm going to round up and down. 34, 34, 21, 13. The 34 is for all wide receivers in that first week in week 12. Devontae Adams, 14.4 <coughs> points, and Mac Holland, 16.3. Outside of that, only one other guy over the last three weeks has hit double digits, and one was Brandon Powell. And there's a point bonus if you even can name the team that Brandon Powell plays on, if you're listening. How's that? And then Brandon Ayuk, he, he was under four points. Um, DJ Moore, 0.6. Um, best there was Shy Smith with 9.7. So it just no, they haven't faced a gauntlet of receivers, but it still has not been good. So I'd stay away from Garrett Wilson. I know you said that already, but wanted to get that in. Let's go over to tight end. Um, a guy that I think many people will be chasing points with, but they should not be. Tell me what you think about Tyler Higby as a huge landmine this week. Um, I don't see it. I see a Chargers team that's like near the bottom against tight ends all season. Really? That's what you think? Yeah. So you like Tyler Higby. You don't see him as a possible landmine. Well, you get that factor. Plus you get the fact that it's technically a home game yeah, for the Rams. Yeah. Uh, it's also, uh, well, they don't have a ton of people that are reliable for Baker Mayfield to throw the ball to there. That is true. Over the last four weeks, okay, 12 through 15, they've given up the second fewest points to tight ends. Now, granted, okay, one week was Trey McBride. Um, next week was Foster Moreau. Next week was eh, Mike Gusecki. And the next week was um, Chig. So they haven't faced a huge gauntlet of people. So they faced Chig and three players that have never been in my kitchen. True. Um, Travis Kelsey, of course, lit him up. But outside of that, I mean, I can keep going back. Kittle did nothing against him, 3.1 points. Kyle Pitts, if he counts, 4.7 points. Um, Noah Font, 1.7 points. Greg Dolchich, he had, he had a decent game of 12.4. And Joku, 14.8. And that was earlier in the season, though. Um, other than that, um, Kelsey again. Kelsey, 10.1 one week. And Darren Waller in week one for 11.9. So, I mean, I just – is it there? Yeah, so the, the stats there. against them are kind of front-loaded. Yes, I would say they're front-loaded a little bit. And and, I, and this is something we can talk about maybe from a DFS standpoint is that maybe you don't go chasing the points on DFS this week, but with with the wasteland that is the tight end position, uh, if you happen to have Higby as your tight end and you're heading into your championship, you probably got there because of his performance the last couple of weeks. You, you're definitely playing him. Well, maybe you shouldn't, though. Um, so for, for the season, okay, through week 15, they gave up 161.7 points. Travis Kelsey, in his two games against them, accounted for 28.2% of those points. That's pretty good. Yeah. I don't know. I just I see Higby as a possible landmine, which is what the, the point of this is. Two other guys for you. Um, one I'm very high on this year. One I know that you're pretty high on. Um, both kind of coming back from some injuries, in a sense. One's been back a little longer than the other. David Njoku and, and um, Goddard for Philadelphia. Yeah, um, not a huge fan of Goddard this week. New Orleans just hasn't given up points to the position. They've allowed one 
tight end this season to top double digits in PPR points. So I'm definitely staying away from D- Dallas Goddard this week. Uh, again, if if he was on your roster, he was on your roster because you picked him back up from IR and you had someone that's been filling in for you at tight end for the last six or so weeks while he was out. So you have a player worthy of potentially filling in for him already on your roster more than likely. Uh, so, again, it'd have to be a really bad matchup for that other player. I mean, to not use that player over Goddard. Uh, you said David Njoku? Yep, based in Washington. I don't mind that matchup quite as much, uh, just because Watson has been leaning on Njoku a lot since uh, being activated off the suspended list. And again, you don't really have to worry. If, if there's weather conditions, the tight end is still going to be targeted. Uh, obviously, Washington is, is decent against the tight end position, but... Only two players. Only he, two players have hit double digits against Washington this year: T.J. Hawkinson and Dallas Goddard. Goddard did it twice. Yeah, actually, I mean that's a, that's a key factor there is that Goddard has been able to get it done. I, I just again, it's another situation where Cleveland doesn't have enough weapons to not use Njoku. Well, what they use him to last week? <laughs> it was it was the weather game there. He should have actually got more passes in that game with the bad weather, if you ask me. I agree with you. Um, I left him on my bench, but I agree with you. Um, he sits, I think, number nine overall season to date. You know I liked him as a top 10-ish, top 12-ish um, tight end this year, so I'd love to see him make me wrong. But I think that you probably at least have other options, and I would explore them if you were hoping that Njoku could help carry you to the promised land this week. Yeah, again, it's not as bad as the running back position, but that <clears throat> outside the top 12 tight ends. Yeah. It's pretty barren. I mean, you're, you're really you're you're digging for the replacement. I mean, if you're lucky, you've got a, a guy like a Dolchich on your bench as a second tight end. Maybe you've got a. Uh, I can't even think. I mean, guys like Evan Ingram should be owned and starting in every league right now. Juwan Johnson, yeah, maybe on your bench, but he just had, had a complete zip last week. And it's like you're looking at guys like Noah Font. I mean, seriously, are you going to play Noah Font in this game? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, it's never fun. But these are guys that we I, look I, at. I, I certainly don't recommend going out and picking up Shane Zilstra. No, do not chase those points. Do not. Although chase. he's facing Chicago, which is a good matchup for tight ends. That is true. Um, but, yeah, that's not one I would want to pin my championship hopes on. I'd rather roll the dice with David Njoku, who I probably rode most of the year, honestly. So, um, yeah, I think that's the thing is that the, at the tight end position, the – replacement level or the uh the the war if you use the baseball analogy yeah the replacement level is such a drop off between those top 12 and the subsequent backup levels that you're you're touchdown dependent begging again it, it's yeah it's not as rotten as the running back position this week because then you got the touchdown dependent plus the horrible matchups there's actually some good matchups among the cheaper tight ends this week, but they're still very heavily touchdown dependent. I mean, right. I love Jordan Aiken's matchup this week uh, at home versus Jacksonville. I actually kind of like Donald Parham Jr. against the Rams uh, as the subsequent backup to uh, Gerald Everett in that game. Right. Uh, e- even Janu Smith and Hunter Henry going at home against Miami are potential plays. But in a championship game, 
you're not benching David Njoku for any of those guys. None of those guys is safer than the, the floor that Njoku will produce. If Henry wasn't dealing with the ish, the knee issue, I think it is, um, <coughs> I might consider him. But that both he and, he and Jonu kind of hurt themselves, I think, on a play this week. So, But in any event... That, that's the thing you want to look at when you're, when you're analyzing these decisions. And this goes for all the positions is... What is your player's floor? Yes. And what is the ceiling of the replacement level player that you could put in for it? And if there's not a difference of more than, say, four points between the two, then I go with the floor of the veteran, of the floor of your proven player over the ceiling of the unproven player. Yep, and that's what I was going to say. It comes down to knowing your lineup, knowing what you need, right? Looking at your opponent and saying, do I need to play a safer? Do I need to try and find that home run? So um, a lot of times, you know what? We did this because we wanted to try and help people understand that there's going to be some difficult decisions you have to make. But a lot of times, in most parts, I'd say 99% of championship lineups, the decisions are already made, right? Do some research, don't overthink it, and then just... And roll with it, and you live with what you live with, and you can't second guess that you left somebody in your lineup that got a zero because they were inactive over somebody that you would have played got twenty points so to put you in a good spot to play in the finals. You can't do that. So, oh yeah, I'm talking about myself again. Let's not do that. All right, so there you go. Hey, That's what, what can we say? Kiss the girl you brought to New Year's Eve. There you go. Yes, kiss the girl that you brought to New Year's Eve. I like that. That works. Dance with the girl you brought. Dance with who brought you. That's what you got to do. All right, let's do it. Let's throw it on over to our DFS segment. Harley, set the over-under. Yes. Five. Five. Five, five, five. Uh, I'm feeling like we're an under this week. Interesting, because I actually think we're going to hit the over. Okay. <laughs> I think we're going to well, – you know what? <clears throat> Based on two positions, we may hit the over. Um, I okay. probably should – Now, before we – before we go into the DFS segment, I, I do need to set something clear for all of our listeners. Uh, FanDuel released their main slate player roster and prices uh, following the Saturday games this past weekend. And before the NFL had decided to flex the Pittsburgh Steelers-Baltimore game to Sunday night and flex the Chargers-Rams game, to Sunday afternoon. So on FanDuel's site in their uh, Millie Maker format uh, events and games, those games currently include the Pittsburgh-Baltimore game, which is set to kick off at 8.20 Eastern time, and do not include the Chargers and Rams players who are playing in in a 4.20 game uh, Eastern. But if you go to the DraftKings site, it's the other way around. They issued their player pool and prices after yesterday's games. So they were aware of the change. And now they've got the Chargers and Rams players on the Millie slate, but not the Pittsburgh and Baltimore players, which is going to make for some confusing lineup setting if if you're trying to build your lineups to correlate between the two sites. Uh, So when we decide to put our lists together for today, our pay-to-plays, stay-aways, and value plays, we tried to avoid choosing players from those two particular games because, again, it will differ based on the website. Now, uh, obviously, pay attention to the 
uh, Dominator, which will be released on Friday morning at the Huddle because we do do a full breakdown of all of the primetime slate games. So whether it be the Pittsburgh, Baltimore, or the Chargers and Rams game, I will have both of those games listed in the full breakdown. So you'll know and have some ideas what to do with your primetime slate plays. But obviously those players not being available in the main slate is going to affect your main slate uh, decisions. Uh, so when you go to the Dominator, those players will be identified as not available in that particular slate unless FanDuel changes course some point this week. Right. All right, you gave me enough time to rethink my stance. I'm going to go with the over. Yeah, I, I think I, mean, I set it at five. I really thought we might hit six. I, I looked at two positions, <coughs> and I think that that could put us close enough that that we're, we got a better chance hitting the over than the under. So um, watch us get like two. All right, start us off. Quarterback, <laughs> who are you going to pay up for at quarterback? At quarterback, I'm going to pay up for Justin Fields at Detroit. Now, for people that weren't paying attention last week, Carolina ran the ball against the Detroit run defense, which had actually gotten better over the last month and a half. Well, they came back down to earth this past week. They gave up three rushing touchdowns, including one to Sam Darnold at quarterback. Uh, in fact, Detroit has allowed five rushing quarterback touchdowns over their last seven games. One of those was against Justin Fields, where he had two rushing touchdowns and 147 rushing yards. Oh, yeah, he threw for two touch touchdowns in that game, too. That was back in week 10. Not you know what? So How bad, though, is the Detroit team? Not only are they giving up rushing touchdowns to quarterbacks, they allowed Zach Wilson to throw for over 300 yards a couple weeks ago. Zach Wilson. When that happens, you know this defense is bad. Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. Wow. Okay. Um, it's a match. I have fields. Uh, look, you look at Patrick Mahomes. He's the highest-priced guy, but that's not a great matchup. Um so, yeah, I think Fields is really makes sense, especially when you know short-term what he just did not so long ago. Yeah, the, the, Detroit's improvement in their rankings, and this is kind of why we were breaking down the uh, do you play your guys uh, based on potentially tough matchups. Uh, technically, we like to look at recency bias in terms of how a defense is performing or how an offense is performing. But then you can also look at things through the, through the larger scope is that this is still the Detroit Lions this defense still is not that good. <laughs> yep. All right. Who are you staying away from? Uh, I, I had a little tougher time with this one here. I didn't. <clears throat> I could have done the easy thing and said Patrick Mahomes, but I actually not staying away from Patrick Mahomes because again, I think that we both still don't know if Denver's defense is going to care. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to stay away from Tua Tagovailoa against new England in new England. This something's wrong with Tua right now. You don't throw, turnovers on three straight possessions if you're not an interception prone quarterback i mean if zach wilson were to do that i wouldn't be surprised right but Tua had thrown five interceptions total on the season going into this game now maybe he's hurt maybe teams are starting to figure him out and the fact that he doesn't quite get as much air on the ball you can't blame the weather because they were playing at home last week <laughs> yep uh, and the weather certainly isn't going to be any better in New England. <laughs> no. And you're facing a, a defense, uh, a Bill Belichick defense, that uh, this is kind of his uh, his Super Bowl this week because they know they're not going to make the playoffs. I think they have an outside shot too, believe it or not, though, still. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, we well, don't... that's scary to think that they're still alive. Yeah, we don't. The, the, the New, England, New England offense is just 
putrid right now. Yeah, we don't match. <laughs> um, I did go down to two, and I looked at him. I was like, at seven thousand and seventy-seven hundred. He's fifteen hundred and thirteen hundred dollars cheaper than Pat. And I'm not gonna. We, we of course, I'm looking past Justin Herbert because of what we talked about. You talked about earlier. Same yeah. with Lamar Jackson. Not even sure if he's coming back or not. Jalen Hurts' status is in doubt. So to me, it just I went with Patrick Mahomes as my stay away. Again, but the savings of money, I can certainly understand that. Okay. Who is your value play this week? Uh, again, quarterback is a position I actually don't mind the value plays this week. There's a few different options. Uh, I ultimately settled on uh, taking a chance on on Mr. Injured Webb, Mike White, at Seattle. And obviously, as we talked about, Seattle's pass defense is better, at least on paper, than they, they might be in reality. But... It's the Mike White factor. It's it's him and Gardner Minshew and, and Brock Purdy. These three no name quarterbacks who are who just they're getting their chance and they're in the limelight and they're doing their thing. I, again, Purdy's got the best matchup of the three of them. They're all right about the same price. Fact they're uh, they're all within one hundred dollars of each other on DraftKings and they're all within five hundred dollars of each other on FanDuel. But I'm going to have a lot of exposure to each of those three in, in terms of my lineup steps this week. So none of those were my guys. But you did leave one of those one guy out of that that mix, I think. You said, you know, Minshew, White, and and, and um, Minshew, White, and Purdy. When I was shocked you didn't add Trace McSorley into that. Um, <laughs> so McSor- <laughs> McSorley was um, initially the guy I wrote down that I was considering. Um, I don't like the fact that it's on the road. I don't like the fact when you look at what Atlanta's done the past few weeks against um, opposing quarterbacks. So I wound up pivoting, and I went with a guy that, in my head when I say his name, I add an L to it. And it's Desmond Ritter. I I read it in my head as Riddler, meaning there's still questions that we need answered about him. He's at home against a very unforgiving, I'm sorry, forgiving Arizona team, um, to quarterbacks, excluding Tom Brady because he's washed. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, look at his price five thousand and sixty three hundred. He's at home. That's something I like. Um, probably not my favorite play, but that's who I went with as my value play. Here's my issue with Riddler and uh, and Riddler and <laughs> Ritter. Now you got me doing it. Uh, yep. Is that Arizona all season has been very good at taking away a team's number one wide receiver? Well. I'm I'm looking at the Atlanta wide receiver core, and I have to assume that that's Drake London. Okay. Now, can you name me two additional wide receivers in Atlanta's offense? I can't pronounce them. Okay, good. <laughs> How's that? I'm not going to even try to pronounce Zach. See, I'm not going to do it. Zacchaeus, yeah. Zacchaeus. Um, this is not Julio Jones and Kelvin Ridley out there for Atlanta, folks. No, it's not. It's You're not right. even Russell Gage. That is <laughs> not true. Kyle Pitts. Okay, okay, okay. So maybe it's not the best value play, but he's only $5,000. Um, no, it, it's, a, it's a good price for him. Uh, I, again, I wouldn't put him in the same category with those three. But if you want to talk about guys like those three, you also have to look at guys like Nick Foles and Carson Wentz, who both are going to get chances Yeah, the Wentz week. thing. the Wentz thing just worries me like you go from Wentz to Heineke due to injury then you then you go to Heineke over Wentz when he's healthy now you go from Heineke to Wentz when if you go look at the numbers 
um, passer rating wise, Heineke wasn't having a horrible game. I think his rating for the game was over a hundred something. Um, I just don't know what happens. Plus, he got some bad weather possibly at the start of that game. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you're making me say I really like my pick of Trey Sor- McSorley, and I should go back and say he's my value play. Honestly, um, I think I probably would trust McSorley over Ritter this week. There you go. You just made me ch- change it. <laughs> McSorley is my value play. Um, <laughs> he, I like how he commanded the offense, honestly, and, and he's he can add a little bit with his legs, <clears throat> right? I wish he had better touch on some of those passes because yeah. uh, obviously that hurts the value of DeAndre Hopkins and uh, Marquise Brown. But obviously he had rapport with uh, Dorch. Uh, Greg Dorch, uh, uh, who obviously has been practicing with on the second and third team a lot more. <laughs> Yeah. And, and realistically, you know, in, in Dorch's case, he was actually really productive earlier this season with Murray at quarterback when Rondale Moore was out. And I mean, that's the big reason why Dorch got so much play and so much run last night was because yep. uh, Moore is still out. Yep, absolutely. Okay. One match so far. Running back, who are you going to pay up for? My pay up at running back is Christian McCaffrey at Las Vegas. You know, McCaffrey has really been going ham since the injury to Elijah Mitchell. Every decent back to face Vegas this year has gone off, particularly pass-catching backs have had huge success against them. Um, There really is not a whole lot of reason for San Francisco to throw the ball a lot to the receivers in this game, so it's going to be another McCaffrey game. So, first name I wrote down was McCaffrey. Crossed him out and then wrote down Saquon Barkley. He's facing an indie team that is number one in points allowed to running backs over the last four weeks. And then I went and I crossed Barkley out and I said, I circled back to Christian McCaffrey because, yeah, I know that it costs you $1,000 more. Yes, I know it costs you $300 more on FanDuel. Yes, I'm sorry, it's the right move. Pay up for Christian McCaffrey. I think that Barkley's got a better chance of being more chalky than McCaffrey does because of the price, too. So I think McCaffrey's mm-hmm. actually the better contrarian play there. Well, and we already talked about the guy who's going to be my stay away, and that's Josh Jacobs this week in that very same game. At home, he's going to get the volume. He may hit 100 total yards. He may fall into the end zone. But he's going to be averaging about 2.4 yards per carry. So the volume is going to come in the terms of like 40 total touches. Uh, That's not what you want at that price point. No, I would agree. Um and we have a match. Jacobs clearly is my stay away this week. Um, who is your value play at running back? Um, b- before I go to that, I'd also like to add that I really don't like Nick Chubb at Washington either. No, week. I didn't like that one either, honestly. But um, I'll def- but He's- in that particular game, I've got my value play. Oh, okay. I go with Brian Robinson. 20 different running backs have reached double-digit PPR points against Cleveland this season. And Robinson's been fairly steady since returning from his gunshot wounds early on. The big knock on him right now is he's just not getting the touchdowns, and the team as a whole isn't getting a lot of touchdowns. But I'm intrigued to see what happens with Robinson as the lead back and Carson Wentz under center. I, I feel like Wentz's best games last year were when it was him and Jonathan Taylor on the field. I think Wentz's best days in Philadelphia were when he had at least one solid running back behind him. Now, some of that might go to Gibson still, and that's obviously a concern. But Robinson has led the backfield in touches pretty much since week seven on, coinciding with Taylor Heineke taking over. So 
we haven't really seen Robinson and Wentz back there together. And I think that that's going to be a good matching. Okay. Weather could play a factor, um, at least early on in the game, but that's fine. We don't match. Um, I went a little cheaper. Um, same same neighborhood. Um, Robinson's 52 and 69. I went with a 5 and a 66 guy. Um, I went with Jamal Williams. I really think we need to see Detroit, and I think we see Detroit, try to fall back to what they were doing well when they first started winning all these games that they were winning, right? Um, mm-hmm. And Chicago, over the last four weeks – ranks seventh in points allowed to the running back position. Now, yeah, you have to worry about DeAndre Swift. With my luck, I'll say this, and then Swift's going to be the one that carries 8% of the touches and scores three touchdowns this week. But I think Williams is being dis- discounted a little more than he probably should be. If he was closer to that fifty-eight dollars to $6,000 range, I probably wouldn't be on him. Um, but at 5000 especially on DK, I think that he's a, he's a value play. And also keep an eye on the injury status and the health of the running backs for the New York Jets because uh, whoever starts and plays the predominant number of snaps for them this week facing Seattle, yeah. it's kind of that same price range, and they're also a good matchup. Very true. All right, so we got three so far. Got to hit three more between the next two positions. Who are you going to pay up for at wide receiver? I, I think we're going to not match at the pay up here based on some of your commentary from earlier. I'm going to go ahead and pay up for Justin Jefferson at Green Bay. Uh, Jefferson has topped 125 scrimmage yards in six of his last eight games. Two of his last three against Green Bay, he's gone off for over 125 yards. And he's currently on pace to break the single-season receiving record currently held by Kelvin Johnson. Now, it's not likely to happen this week, but there's an outside shot at it happening this week. So I really think that Kirk Cousins and J.J. and Kevin O'Connell are going to do everything in their power to try to get Jefferson the record this weekend to help keep that asterisk out of the record book. Exactly. So, no, we don't match. Um, I looked at this so many different ways, too. One, bad matchup. Don't like it. Two, outdoors. Weather. Weather, right? Three, I'm like, oh, that record. That's a big plus. I mean, you, you know that there's that means something to players. At the end of the day, I just... <sighs> I put it all together, and it says to me, okay, look at the next guy. And I look at Tyreek Hill, and I'm like, okay, money savings. Outdoors, New England, two is playing like dung, right? Don't trust Tyreek. Okay, Devontae Adams, he's money. He's cheaper. He's cheaper. Okay. Oh, wait, he's playing at home. Good. Oh, wait, it's San Francisco. Don't want to pay up for that. And he's been dog crap the last couple weeks, too. Okay, A.J. Brown, 79-8400. Okay, Phillies at home. They should get a win easily at New Orleans. Oh, they'll probably run the hell out of the ball. And Gardner Minshew's under center, and he seemed to favor Devontae Smith. Ah, I landed on $7,800, $8,200 Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, great matchup to take advantage of there, too. I mean, we talked about Goff already a little bit. We talked about, you talked about Jamal Williams. I think there's going to be points scored. Uh, both of us had Justin Fields as our top quarterback. Yep. So... <laughs> This is, this is a game that uh, on paper should be high scoring, which means it probably is going to be like a 13 to 10 game. <laughs> yeah, right. Bear, bear that in mind when you put your lineups together. Uh, one of my most profitable lineups this past weekend was on Sunday when I just decided to burn $5 and stack my lineup with Los Angeles Rams and Denver Broncos. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Eh, crazy things have happened. Okay, who are you going to stay away from? Exactly. Uh, you, you mentioned the guy I'm going to stay away from. That's Tyreek Hill. Uh, 
I, I don't like the matchup. I don't like the way two is playing right now. And the Patriots have actually been fairly effective against wide receiver ones. They've actually been pretty bad against wide receiver twos. So if you assume Tyree Kill is the wide receiver one and Jalen Waddle is the wide receiver two, then I would probably stay away from Hill and go with Waddle instead if you want to get some action in that game. But in general, I, I feel like that game's going to be a lower scoring game. And again, I think uh, Belichick's going to play like this is his Super Bowl and he's going to want to try to take away Miami. So not at that price tag. So, yeah, I get it. Honestly, I do. Um, and you would think that because I've been talking so much about avoiding JJ that that's who my stay away would be. But guess what? We did match. I had Tyreek Hill because that one little iota of him setting that record this week made me go, yeah, I'm going to stay away from the guys that have bad quarterback play versus a guy that just might have a not-so-great matchup for his price and still has something that he wants to, to do. Mm-hmm. So, fair enough. Um, now... Value play. Let's see what we can do here. Uh, I'm going to use a guy I've used a couple times in the last month or so. That's Chris Moore versus Jacksonville. Uh, Moore actually is continuing to receive a a fair amount of targets, despite the fact that Brandon Cooks finally returned this past week. And and count me among the few people in the world that are like, why did Brandon Cooks come back? Yeah, I didn't expect Uh, that. I'm still shocked by that. (laughs) But... Uh, Moore still managed to get a bunch of targets this week. He didn't do a whole lot with them. But when looking at Jacksonville's numbers, Jacksonville has allowed at least one non-wide receiver one to top double-digit PPR points in 10 different games. And and, and a couple of those games, they allowed multiple secondary receivers to hit double-digit points. So this is a game with some sneaky point potential. So the guy I'm going with, we don't have a match, um, I'm going with Isaiah Hodgins, who's face. He's got a very good matchup, especially. Oh, you, you know I'm loving me some Hodgins. I had a lot of him last week, so he had 11 targets last week. Um, he's got a total of 21 targets over the last three weeks. Um, it's in New York. Weather could play a factor, but it's in New York. It's a home game. Um, yeah, I just I think he makes a very solid play. I was surprised it took me going down the line so far to find him price wise, honestly. I looked at Darius Slayton, and I was like, wait a minute. Darius, where's Hodgins is cheaper. Oh, I think I'll take the discount <laughs> at 45 and 6,200. Only a $100 difference on Fandle, but a $400 difference on DraftKings. Very good. All right, it's time to round it out. We need two to hit the over. Who are you paying up for at tight end? I, I got to go with my guy, Kelsey. Yeah, the, the price is super high, but it's against Denver. Over the last 10 games, Denver has allowed an average of six catches and 73 total yards to the tight end position, including getting absolutely schooled by Tyler Higby and Baker Mayfield this past week. Uh, as we talked a little bit about before, Sertain will probably be shadowing Juju Smith-Schuster throughout the game uh, because he just he doesn't have the physical body to, to line up and, and take the pressure of covering Kelsey the entire game. Uh the linebackers, aside from Singleton, apparently yeah. didn't seem to care last week. Uh, he's going to be in for a big game here. Yeah, we match. Uh, I thought that was an easy pick, actually. Um, so, yep, we have that. So we have the push. We have the push. Now we have the question of can we get one more in the next two picks? Who are you staying away from? I already talked about this guy. Uh, only one tight end has reached double-digit points against uh, New Orleans this season from a PPR format, and that's uh, Dallas Goddard. And you're staying away from Dallas Goddard, is what you're saying. Yes. 
well, we're not going to hit the over at this point in this junction. I'm staying away from probably being influenced too much from a wide receiver I should have stayed away from that I didn't stay away from. But I'm staying away from TJ Hawkinson in this matchup against the Packers. Uh, he was actually the first guy I'd written down, but then I looked at the Packers stats and it seemed like over the last six or seven weeks they've actually been kind of loosey goosey against the tight ends. <laughs> Understood. I went back to Dallas Goddard, but I did. Hawkinson was the first guy I wrote down. Yeah, I'm not in love with Goddard, honestly. I, but with Minshew, it's at home, second game back. He could easily have a four for 60 and throw in one, and all of a sudden you're like, well, that was pretty damn good. Um, he went three for, what, three for 60 in his first game against Dallas, which was much more than what I anticipated him doing. I was shocked that they didn't actually develop more routes for him specifically to get him more involved, but I can't fault you for staying away from, from Goddard, honestly. Um, all right, let's see. This is going to be hard. Picking a value play that matches is not something that's easy to do. Okay, well, the, my value play this week, over his last four games, he's averaging eight catches and 92 yards. He's got three total touchdowns in that stretch. And the team he's facing allowed him to record six catches for 69 yards earlier this season. That's Evan Ingram facing Houston. We are not going to hit the over. It didn't matter if I went over or under because we pushed. Good line setting. Um, <laughs> I'm, I went lower. I believe I went lower price-wise. Let me see. I love Engram, Engram by the way. Um, I'm in the threes. I went all the way down to a – he's only the fourth lowest price guy, actually. Jelani Woods. Um, yes. Yes, I love Jelani this week. Good matchup. <laughs> and here's the thing. Tonight, Granson's out. Right, he didn't practice all week. Yes. So I'm making the assumption that the same thing happens next week. Because why bring him back when they don't need to? Um, and that's a plus for Woods. Now, if Granson's back next week, it'll make me feel a little less, you know, belief in that pick as a value play. But I think that Jelani, it'd be hard not to see four times value from him next week at 2,800 bucks. Yeah, and we talked a couple couple of players. Right, I, lo- I love Jelani this coming week. I love Donald Parham again. And I love Jordan Akins also in that Houston-Jacksonville game. If you want to get a game stack going double tight end, you know I love the double and triple tight end. So Don't do it. Give, 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 give me Akins and Ingram in one game together here. Oh, goodness. And take your pick which quarterback. I, I guess you can't trust Davis Mills with Jeff Driscoll down there, too. So start T-Law. Oh, it, it, it makes you feel so much sicker, so much, uh, so much more power when you're double tight end lineup hits. Oh, man. Harley's going with the heavy set for, for his lineup. I like it. <laughs> 12, 12 personnel, baby. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, um, we're going to wrap things up. Hopefully, we help you start off your new year well um, with some cash in your pocket from our picks. Um, with that said, as Harley said, you can check out his Daily Dominator at the Huddle. If you haven't subscribed, go do it. It's calendar year. I'm sorry. It's from when you buy it. Till the following year, it's not something that ends in at the end of December, or you're getting a short, you know, short stick, and you're not going to get more content. Make sure you're following Harley on Twitter at Nuclear Harley. Follow me at Steve Gallo NFL. We'll do our best to try and help you out. And um, the other thing is, I guess I'll say, Harley, it's been a great year. It's been a great season. We will have one more week next week, but you know, New Year's Eve is upon us. So I wish you and your wife continued prosperous you know 2023 and let's make sure that you know when we do it this weekend we do it right and we get blitz responsibly cheers <laughs>